0: Hello, I'm Amy from Vienna, and I'm a Thronzy. I'm Tamra. I'm from Minnesota, and I'm a Potterhead. I'm Zeri, I'm from France, and I'm a Thronecoat.
1: I'm Carla from Melbourne, and I'm a Meta I'm
0: AJ, I live in Wasaga Beach, Canada, and I am part of the Supernatural family. Hi, I'm Beth Gallego, and Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson changed my life. There's no other way to say it. It's hard to imagine, really, what I'd be doing if I hadn't fallen down the rabbit hole of this century-plus-old fandom in the summer of 2013. A lot of Sherlockians can tell you about how they read their first Holmes story at age 10 or 11 and just never stopped. It didn't happen that way for me. I was familiar with Holmes and Watson as part of the popular culture, referenced in books and movies and cartoons. The deerstalker, the pipe, the magnifying glass the arch nemesis, Moriarty. But it wasn't until the summer of 2013, and the existence of a little show from the BBC and PBS masterpiece called Sherlock, that I fell in love. I fell hard and fast, binge watching the first six episodes on Netflix and then going back and watching them again from the beginning. Series three was still far off in the future. I watched clips of interviews with Stephen Moffat and Mark Gatiss and was utterly charmed by their sheer fanboy enthusiasm for the stories. So I started reading them myself and looking for people to talk to about them. I had no idea. I started with a fan group within Ravelry, a social network site for people who knit, crochet, spin, or otherwise play with yarn. I also joined a group called the John H. Watson Society, an online Sherlockian group that also publishes a journal twice a year. I took on some webmaster responsibilities, and now I'm the head of the group, which is awesome in just about every meaning of the word. Offline, I discovered the world of scion societies, Local groups officially recognized by the Baker Street Irregulars of New York. My local scion, the Curious Collectors of Baker Street, was established in 1992. We meet several times a year for events ranging from the fancy gas fitters ball to a screening of the private life of Sherlock Holmes in a member's backyard. Being a part of the Sherlockian fandom has given me some of my closest friends. That fan group on Ravelry introduced me to three people from different states who I was talking to for a couple of years before all four of us were ever actually in the same room, when we shared a room at 221 Beacon. Sherlock also got me writing again. I've been a fiction writer on and off forever. I even got my bachelor's degree in prose writing, but it had fallen by the wayside over the years. That summer and fall, after the Reichenbach Fall had aired, but before we knew the official version of just how Sherlock survived, was a great time for writing BBC Sherlock fanfic and the fandom has some truly phenomenal writers in it. I was inspired to try my own hand at writing some fanfic, something I'd done exactly once before in my entire life. That was an Angel-Sandman crossover and mercifully lost to posterity. I started writing things other than fiction. Sherlockians have been playing the great game, working from the idea that Holmes and Watson were real people and trying to explain various inconsistencies and fill in backstories from there, for decades, spawning reams of published work on the subject. Getting to know fellow Sherlockians online gave me the opportunity to contribute an essay about Charles Augustus Milverton to the book About 60, Why Every Sherlock Holmes Story is the Best. And yes, the adventure of Charles Augustus Milverton is totally the best story. Thanks to the encouragement of some Sherlockian friends on Twitter, I started podcasting. Sherlockians are really terrible enablers. I half-joked that I should start a podcast about knitting and Sherlock Holmes, and got eager responses of, DO IT! And so this Tangled Skein, a podcast about yarn, tea, and Sherlock Holmes, not necessarily in that order, was born. There are so many ways that being a part of the Sherlockian fandom has enriched my life. This is only the tip of the iceberg. There's so much to explore, so many people to talk to, so much to think about. There are Sherlockians in every profession and all over the world. We don't always agree on everything. Where would the fun be in that? But at its best... The fandom is a place for both thoughtful discussion and hilarious adventure. The core of the stories is a friendship, and it's friendship that I keep coming back to when I think about how Holmes and Watson have changed my life.
1: Well then, I think it's about time we
2: retire. Yeah, I'm quitting (laughs) podcasting after that. Maybe she could just send us uh, just clips and we can smash them together for the rest of our podcast.
1: Yeah, so that was uh, our new friend Beth. Um, that we met via Twitter Um, she has a podcast about Sherlock called This Tangled Skeen a podcast about yarn, tea and Sherlock Holmes, not necessarily in that order (laughs) and she was nice enough to to send us that little clip about her experience with the Sherlock fandom and how it's changed her life and why she loves it and um, I'm pretty jealous because she sounds so lovely she really does like she sounds like her her professional podcasting voice could rival uh, Phoebe Judge from Criminal, who is like the ultimate voice.
2: She does. Maybe um, we could get her to read some fan fiction, and <gasps> I could listen to it
1: before I fall asleep. <laughs> I feel like her voice is so soothing. Yeah, like Beth, do you take requests? Because we are into that. <laughs> I'm Sarah and i'm allison and this is the fandom-based life podcast a podcast that explores and celebrates fandoms and the communities and friendships they create so beth gave a great introduction to what we're going to be doing today so our last sherlock episode dealt a lot with facts although we did get a little fanfic in there as well and today we're going to be talking more about the fandom about um the BBC creators and actors' interactions with the fandom, and we're going to hear more from uh, real Sherlockians about their experiences. But before we dive in, should we give our listeners a little update on Supernatural?
2: Oh, yeah, we could do
1: that. Basically, Sarah has, at this point, possibly surpassed me. We need an intervention. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm Mm -hmm. still, Mm -hmm. I think
2: I'm still in season, I might be in season four. Uh, But it's pretty much consumed everything that I am. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, Sarah sent me uh, an amazing fandom-based birthday package, which included a uh, Supernatural scarf. Which I am so in love with, and I have worn it in public, and, it looks and I really felt like good a true—I was letting my fandom flag fly. It was yes, amazing. Yes, Yes, I did it because of you. Oh. love your face. <laughs> I did want to mention that I, we—I was so excited because we've we've been getting really great feedback, uh, not only from supernatural fans that kept saying that um, our podcast made them cry, which is my goal in any creative endeavor in life—is to just make people weep. <laughs> So, not only have we made like warm to the hearts of the SPN family, so they don't hate us, they love us, they're welcoming us with open arms, which is awesome. But I had some friends that were not, had never watched the show, that are now super keen to watch the show based on our ridiculousness, which made me really proud because I was really worried about, you know, how people would, would take it, whether or not they were in the fandom. And it seems that, you know, it has appealed to both sides, which is really exciting, I think. So
2: we're actually increasing Supernatural's uh, viewership?
1: Yes, you're welcome, CW. Um, you can post our royalty check to <laughs> Fandom Baselife. Or, so, uh...
2: <laughs> in lieu of a royalty check, feel free to send uh, Jensen Ackles to my house. Uh, <laughs> that's also acceptable currency.
1: Mm, yeah, I think your husband would be super stoked on that. Yeah, you You can send him my way. I'm single, so heads up, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now uh, open to fandom-based dates. (laughs)
2: Fandom-based dates. Uh, So speaking of supernatural, uh, Sherlock, the Sherlock fandom is a little bit different than the supernatural fandom uh, in the way that the cast and creators and the show interacts with the fans. Uh, the I feel like supernatural embraces it more. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? They they kind of feed off of it. They encourage it, and mm-hmm. I I often find that uh, moftis are slightly at odds with the Sherlock fandom. Do you agree?
1: Um, I have heard that. I have also seen them on panels. And they, they clearly are fanboys themselves. Like, they talk about Sherlock, like, with childish glee. I think, you know, Beth said uh, a similar thing in the intro. Um, that their kind of love for the show is really infectious. So I, I certainly, like, hope that there's not super negativity. But I, I do think, yeah, there's definitely a difference. I mean, Supernatural, is that's a high bar as far as like it is. you know They've creators really and the actors.
2: interaction.
1: Mm-hmm. But uh but yeah, I, I get what you're saying.
2: Uh so let's let's start with kind of talking about uh how they feel about the John Locke conspiracy. Do you know about the John Locke conspiracy?
1: I I don't I would like for you to explain it to me because I I, I know of it, but I think that you should explain it to me and to our listeners more so.
2: All right. So great. So, Allison and listeners, the John Locke <laughs> conspiracy is the theory that is predicated on the belief that John Locke is the end game of the show Sherlock, and that Moffat have been planting clues each season pointing towards the ultimate goal of a John slash Sherlock romance. Um, the people that believe in the John Locke conspiracy, and there are quite a few, uh, believe that um, everything from acting cues to cinematography, there are just websites and blogs and tumblers dedicated to all of the quote-unquote facts uh, that point to the potential evidence to support that John Locke is an actual that's how the show is going to end, that it's inevitable that that John and Sherlock are going to get together. Yes, yes. Got it. And so Moftis, Stephen Moffat and Mark Gatiss have been very clear, very, very clear, that this is not going to happen. This is not the story they're writing. It's not going to happen. And they even said at the San Diego Comic-Con when they were there promoting season four, Um, They sat down for an interview with, uh, uh, I don't know if it's a blog, I believe it's a blog, with an accent, it's called, Uh, and they dismissed any hope for John Locke to be canon. This is a quote. Uh, We've explicitly said this is not going to happen. There is no game plan, no matter how much we lie about other things, that this show is going to culminate in Martin Freeman and Benedict Cumberbatch going off into the sunset together. They're not going to do it. That's a quote from Mark Gatiss,
1: and I can hear like the Sherlockian hearts, or sorry, the John Lockean hearts breaking, and the sound of a very tiny Sherlockian violin, yes, just playing, you know, the saddest notes. But
2: the thing that kind of gives the John Lockers an out and allows them to keep believing that this is, you know, the end game is that Moff just lies about everything. They lie about everything. And they, they admit that right. they lie about everything because they're trying to keep their show a secret. They don't want to spoil it for anybody. They're, they work so hard on this show, and they really do an amazing job, and, and they just want to keep it a secret so everybody can enjoy it. So they flat out admit to lying, uh, but they insist that they're not lying about this particular thing. I found a Tumblr. Um, It's called uh, studyingsubtext.tumblr.com, and there was a post they did called Spotting Moftis in a Lie, and it was a very detailed um, roadmap on how exactly you you go about (laughs) knowing when um, Stephen Moffat or Mark Gatiss are lying. Uh, So step one is you have to, yeah, they're tells, tells? but it... Step one encourages you to find the baseline. Before you can tell if someone's lying, you need to know how they usually behave when they tell a story, and then there's several gift sets that show them you know, telling the truth. Uh, number two encourages you to look for nonverbal cues. Uh, they say that Moffat maintains too much eye contact while Gatiss looks far away far too often. <laughs> Liars also wring their hands. They have a a clip of um, one of them raising their hands, and then they point out that um, they often, liars often have closed-off body languages, but they also point out that liars have closed-off body language, and then they show several gifs of Mark with his legs crossed, Stephen's hand covering his face, (laughs) Mark's hand over his crotch, both of their palms are facing down. So they just go on and on and on to... um, you know, giving you a little roadmap to how you can go about catching them in a lie.
1: Interesting. They really, you know what? This is so funny because it's so Sherlockian. They, you know, they've, they're observing very closely. They are making deductions. They're deducing. Based, they are deducing. (laughs) It's amazing. It is. It's, it's really
2: apropos. I mean, it's so on brand. It is. It's so great. Uh, (laughs) So, as you can imagine, like you said, the that quote pretty much broke all the John Lockers' hearts. Um, and that really kind of set the show creators at odds with the John Lockers. But to be fair, both Gadis and Moffat have been quoted on several occasions saying that they do support fan-created works. Moffitt, I have a Moffat mm-hmm. quote here saying, we're not telling anyone what to think Mark isn't saying other people can't write that version of John and Sherlock getting together. We're simply not writing that story.
1: And I think that's fair, you know, as long as they're not discouraging people from being creative. And, and, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I have seen Steve Moffat refer to their show as fan fiction.
2: It is. It really, it basically is. And I love that he refers to it that way.
1: It's their own tribute. So why would they discourage people from you know, creating their own stories, because that's exactly what they're doing, right?
2: Right. Um, So Stephen Moffat goes on to say that fans are mostly projecting it onto the show themselves, but I don't blame them for that. I think I probably watched Charlie's Angels in much the same way. It's much more fun that way. People always make up their own stories (laughs) when they watch TV shows, and so they should. And people have been doing that with Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson long before we took it
1: over. Amazing. So what do Sherlock and John have to say about things? Um, well... I wonder. Benedict loves
2: fan fiction, I feel like he does, um, because I read a couple
1: articles. Yeah, do you think he (laughs) reads... He always seems... he, He always seems really embarrassed when people bring it up. So I've seen him on chat shows where he... He, he, he gets so sheepish when they, like... I know. And it's so uncomfortable to watch. And, and some of them like Graham Norton, will, like, show him pictures of, like, very erotic fan art, and he's just, like, oh, He's, like, such a gentleman about it. But you said you've read some interviews. What is he sad? Um
2: So in an interview with MTV, he says that he is, quote, startlingly aware, end quote, uh, that fan fiction about him and Watson, <laughs> or Sherlock and Watson, exist, um, so, I found this great article that we'll post up on the blog from MTV. And in this article, he says that, you know, I guess Martin Freeman isn't really into like technology and doesn't, you know, isn't on all the social media and everything. So, Benedict was pretty surprised when Martin came back from vacation and asked Benedict, uh, have you ever heard of Tumblr? And Benedict's like, no, what's Tumblr? So, Martin sits down and shows Benedict what Tumblr is (laughs) and showed him all of this fan fiction and all the (laughs) fan art, Um, and Benedict goes on to say, I suppose my bodily proportions are quite flattering. I'm ripped doing something I wouldn't normally do with my body or having done to it involving Watson. So that's as far as I'll hit about that one, but it's all there on the web if you want to find it. I was amazed at the level of artistry. People have spent hours doing it, and there's some really weird crossbreeding stuff that goes on. News got out that I was playing Smaug in The Hobbit, and suddenly there were lots of dragons with purple scarves flying around, so it's crazy. It's crazy.
1: Oh my god. Um... Yes, Benedict. It is crazy. (laughs) Can I just say, I would love to have been a fly on the wall in that room when Martin Freeman was showing Benedict Cumberbatch what Tumblr was and what was on Tumblr. Uh,
2: Actually, you and I are going to get together and write that fanfiction and we'll post it up on the blog as well. (laughs) From the perspective of the fly.
1: Sherlock X fly.
2: Sherlock slash fly. (laughs) Uh, I found another really great quote um from another article, and uh, I feel like me and Benedict might be on the same fan fiction you know websites because um he references he keeps referencing uh, a fiction in which he's chained to Watson on a space bed, and they're doing it in space. You love
1: your space fiction. <laughs> <I don't. laughs>
2: I don't really you have it.
1: You bring you bring it up like every episode.
2: Well, it's because I, I do so much fandom based research and I stumble upon all this space porn fan fiction. I don't I never found it or read any space porn fan fiction before this podcast.
1: Well, you know what? You are going to be really excited when we do a Firefly episode then because <laughs> Firefly takes place in space. So that's all there is. That's all we got. Mm-hmm. Lots of space porn.
2: Uh, So here's a quote from Benedict, uh, an interview he did with Out Magazine uh, about Sherlock. And Benedict says, He's a machine and brutal and ruthless and has no time for the distractions of your fawning. Because, you know, they either want to make John into some sort of cute little toy or me into a cute little toy. Or we're fucking in space on a bed chained together. It's always like, one of them is tired, (laughs) comes back from work, the other is horny, a lump appears in his trousers, and then they're at it. It's usually me getting it, I'm biting Watson's dog tags. (laughs) Oh my god. Um, so (laughs) (laughs) So, I googled, um, I googled, uh, John Sherlock space bed chain space sex, and oh I gosh. came up with a story at work, on the war computer, uh, and it's called XO, and it's by Merith Griffin on AO3, Archive of Our Own, and I believe that this must have been the story he was reading, and uh, it's pretty spacetastic. There's a lot of good like space jargon and futuristic sci-fi lingo happening in it. Uh, that's where I got the word gelatinous from that I kept telling you about oh, no. the other day. So when asked why he feels that people enjoy writing uh, slash fiction about him and John, Benedict replies, I think it's about burgeoning sexuality in adolescence because you don't necessarily know how to operate that. And I think John Locke is its way of neutralizing the threat so the person is sort of removed from them as somebody who could break their heart. Not sure what that means, oh, wow. Benedict, but it's so deep. So deep. <laughs> so I feel like Benedict's read an awful lot of fan fiction because when he was asked uh, his feelings about Sherlock's sex life, he had quite a bit to say about how he feels uh, Sherlock would perform in the sack. <laughs> uh, he did a really great interview with L UK uh, magazine, So Benedict says, I do a little experiment to do with durability, length, girth, and strength, and I would probably take a lot of vitamin supplements to make sure that I could perform and that I had had my sleep and probably not had many cigarettes or a drink for that matter, not that he does drink. And then L.U.K. says, proficient, lacking enthusiasm. And Benedict says, yeah, no, wait for it. I'd probably watch a lot of porn. I might have to shave um, areas to fit in with a modern idea of bodily hair <laughs> and then I would be devastating I'd know exactly how to please a woman I'd know exactly where to put my fingers where to put my tongue where to put my I should say his fingers his tongue think about violinists think about what they can do with their fingers and I'd know exactly how to get that person into it and get pleasure out of making that person feel pleasure to the point I probably wouldn't even have to enter. But when I did, it would be explosive. Whoa. So, Jesus Christ Um, Benedict. uh,
1: I'm aroused.
2: I would be too if my mom wasn't sitting next to me. (laughs) Stop it. Stop it. Allison, don't you dare.
1: <laughs> no promises.
2: So I think it's cute that, I don't know if cute's the right word. I think it's cute, <laughs> cute that, not he, the right word. that he thinks about this stuff. That, you know, he cute is not the right word. But I think it's great that he thinks about this stuff. And, you know, he, he obviously feels very close to this character. You know, that he knows how he would be in the sack. Yeah. Well, I'm... I'm
1: sold. You just got to get Benedict a Tumblr account. Oh my god, yes. Maybe he has one. Maybe he has a secret one. Maybe he's like Ben's Girl 43XO.
2: <laughs> Ben's Girl for Life?
1: <laughs> that that would be a great name. So let's talk about the fandom. Enough Enough talk about those minor players in life. <laughs> so we had some great... People respond in our questionnaire. And I had someone point out several cool things in this fandom that I had no idea were things. Uh, One of them being that there is currently a game being developed in the Sherlock fandom. What? Yes. So this is so cool. This is like just such a great example of a fandom coming together. Uh, So it's called Sherlock. The game is on. And uh, it's being developed as a massive group project. So there's writers, puzzle designers, illustrators, pixel artists, sound designers, and translators from all over the world working on this game remotely from everywhere around the world.
2: That is so awesome. What kind of a platform is it? Is it going to be like a video game or a
1: board I game? I think it's going to be online. Uh, not a board game. It's, it's a digital game. Like, it's an interactive experience where you, like, solve there's all different puzzles to solve, and you're like, solve a crime, and it looks really cool. There's a trailer. We'll, I'll post a link to it on the blog. Um, can, we, can we play together? It's, it's only in development. It doesn't exist yet, but when it comes out, yes. Okay. Um, so I'll give you the kind of like synopsis uh, from their website. So it says, Sherlock, the game is on, aims to explore the vast narrative potential of the Sherlock Holmes universe and interactive storytelling in general. Staying true to the original canon, players will experience the story through the eyes of John Watson and solve mysteries with the famous detective Sherlock Holmes. The game takes place over the course of three months. During that time, players can travel between several locations in London and solve cases for different clients and characters. There are two types of cases in the game, side cases and main cases. Side cases consist of short puzzles posed by the various inhabitants of London, Main cases are longer, overarching mysteries that take several days of investigation to solve. These main cases are all modern adaptations of stories from the Sherlock Holmes books, and each case will focus on one of several main characters from the series Mycroft, Lestrade, Mrs. Hudson, Molly, and more. The game features an original soundtrack, stunning art, thought provoking puzzles, and a thoroughly immersive plot.
2: I'd expect nothing less.
1: Uh, Well, of course. I don't play games generally, at all, but I would totally play that. It sounds like so much fun. I'm in. Yeah, and you definitely have to see the trailer. I'll be posting it. Uh, it's it's just really inspiring. It it just has, you know, people, you can see little bits and clips of people working on it from all around the world, and it's so so cool to see a fandom coming together in such a creative way and giving back to the fandom, you know? It's like made by That's the fandom awesome. for the fandom. I love it. I know. So if you remember in our supernatural episode our last one um, we talked about some of the amazing charity causes that the fandom banded behind and a lot of that was really really cool and really inspiring so I didn't I'm sure that exists in Sherlock as well 100% but I found a very strange and unique and wonderful little story uh, about a bit of charity that was done in this fandom so there are these Twitter accounts that are basically role-playing accounts so there's one that's at contact sh and then there's one that's at contact jhw so it's sherlock and john and they tweet as the characters and they interact with each other and they have tens of thousands of followers each and people interact with them? them yeah so they have tons of followers tens of thousands of followers Fans love these characters, or they love these accounts. They love this role-playing. And they actually recently started a secret campaign. So the fans of these Twitter accounts, so they're not even... It's not Benedict and Martin. It's not, you know, it's these role-playing Twitter accounts. Fans of that banded together um, and started a campaign based on this Sherlock's apparent concern for the bees. Oh, my God. So um, I have <laughs> I scrolled back in the history. I was like, where is the origin of this? So I, I scrolled back in the Sherlock account and I found what I believe. I don't know if it had been going on before then, but I found like an example of this account and, uh, and what he's talking about. So I, I will read these tweets, you know, and I'm going to because they're in quick succession. I'll say tweet before each one. So, you know, it's a different tweet. OK, Uh, tweet. I'm fine. I've just been thinking about the bees. Tweet. They are truly dying at an alarming rate. Tweet. John and I had an argument about it. Tweet. My fault. Tweet. He didn't know about Bombus affinis. Tweet. The rusty patched bumblebee. Tweet. It's an endangered species. (laughs) Tweet. My second favorite species of bumblebee, and I didn't know it was on the brink of extinction until yesterday. (laughs) So, Sherlock, this this Sherlock Twitter account, terribly concerned about the welfare of bees, and we all should be, in fairness. Uh, but based on this, a campaign in a Twitter account called Baker Street Bees, so at Baker Street Bees, was formed in secret. And they raised $1,500 for a non-profit, a non-profit uh, N.W. Honey Bee Habitat Restoration. So, they didn't they basically banded together in secret shared their little mission with each other, but didn't, didn't until they had raised money, they didn't tweet it at those two accounts at all. So they did it in complete secret. And, um, this is kind of what they say. This is their little, their mission statement. Um, they say, there's been a lot of buzz around here about how grateful we are to you for sharing your story and your lives with us. It would have been a bit difficult for us all to gift you with something to send to Baker Street, so we came up with a plan B. B B-E-E. This is our (laughs) way of showing you that there is a hive of people who care about both your story and saving the bees, the latter largely because of your influence. There are no words to properly express our love, so to avoid waxing poetic, we'll let this speak for us. For as long as you wish to keep being you, we'll be around to support you. And now and always, thank you. You're loved and we don't take you for granted.
2: That was so full of bee puns.
1: Yeah, I know. It's so cute. They had donations in euros, Chilean peso, Swedish krona, Russian ruble, Australian dollars. (laughs) Like they had donations for the bees from all over the world based on these two role-playing Twitter accounts. And I just thought that That was amazing. Like, how cool is that?
2: It's so crazy that even even kind of like a silly little, you know, endeavor, you know, this, obviously the Twitter accounts were spoofing on the fact that in the later Sherlock Holmes novel, Sherlock becomes a beekeeper. Um, Oh my god, I didn't know that! Yeah, yeah, so Sherlock Holmes becomes a beekeeper at the end of his life, and, uh... So this contact, uh, fuck, so this Twitter account was role-playing that Sherlock was very concerned about the bees, but the fandom has such a great influence that they still were able to turn it into something great and raise money and actually really help the bees, which is amazing.
1: I just love it. I thought it was the cutest story, and I just had to share it because I thought it was great. So definitely follow at Baker Street Bees. Um, because they're little rock stars. I love them.
2: And they're really good at puns, dude.
1: They're great at puns, and they've got some great graphic design as well. I think they've got stickers you can buy, um, and their little graphic which shows how much money was raised and which currencies it was raised in um, is really, really cute to look at. So definitely check out at Baker Street Bees on Twitter, and uh, check out the cool work that they have done. Save the bees. Save the bees. So... Uh, As we have been doing with our episodes, uh, I also joined a bunch of Facebook groups. You were already a member of some because you're an actual Sherlockian, as uh, is becoming more and more obvious by the fact that, you know, (laughs) I didn't know anything about the bees and you were like, oh, that's totally canon. Um, I knew about the bees. (laughs) She knew about the bees, Um, which is kind of funny because uh, anyone that, is also a Supernatural fan listening to this will know that bees play a very hilarious role later down the line in Supernatural. uh, Where our good friend Misha slash Castiel develops his own little obsession with bees. Uh, I think I've sent you a gif or two about that, but you'll get there in the end. I think it's like season seven ish. Um, Anyway. So I joined some communities on Facebook. There are a ton of them. They are very active. They are very fun Um, and I asked some of them what they love most about being a Sherlockian so I've got some answers here so I've got a girl called Rebecca says that she loves the community she says as much as we may disagree with each other over some details like whether John Locke is canon if an outsider attacks someone in the community we defend each other if someone is down in the dumps and is looking for some fan art or some fix to read we come together in droves to provide Uh, I've got someone called Meredith saying that what she loves most about being a Sherlockian is the knowledge that it's okay to be a geek and to notice the minute particulars of the world, that there's a place for folks like me. I love that. So those are two two gals in the Sherlockian things group on Facebook. And then um, I also asked in a Sherlock fan fiction group and uh, a gal called... Uh, Lorette said that the thing she loves about being Sherlockian is that the love of her OTP is reciprocated around the globe and that I now have a ginormous weird-ass family of friends from countries everywhere because of it. Uh, So it turns out she's a self-proclaimed, hardcore, never-to-be-swayed, overly productive fic writer of John Locke. (laughs) All right. She goes by the name Distant Starlight on Archive of Her Own. So from there, I went into our questionnaire, and um, we had a bunch of people respond, and we got some great stories out of that. So uh, Jenna Adeline Webb told a story about a uh, high school math class. So she hadn't eaten breakfast, and she started looking around for someone to beg for food from, and she sees a girl with a huge lunchbox on the table uh, with a bunch of snacks laid out, so she asks if she can have something, and she makes a comment. She couldn't remember exactly what she said, but she makes a comment. Something like, see, unlike Sherlock, I need food. And she didn't expect the girl to understand, but the girl dramatically gasped. And they have been, like, best friends and roommates ever since. Yes. I
2: love it. I love it. <laughs> it's so funny.
1: I love it. There's so many um, she also like said
2: that, that with um, fandoms. Yeah. People you don't know are fangirls or in fandoms, and when you find out and have that, like, squealing fangirl moment where you found,
1: you know, someone like you. It's so amazing. I know. It's the greatest feeling. I was wondering, like, when I was wearing my supernatural scarf around, I was like, I wonder if anyone will notice what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody Nobody did yet, but I'm hoping one day. So uh, Jenna also said that uh, Sherlock has changed her life. She said, it's actually what made me pick up a pen and write The first thing I ever wrote was fan fiction. I wrote it when I was young, but I do enjoy the characters in it, the plot, so I'm working on revising it as my writing has been refined. Sherlock has given me future hope, and for that I am indebted and grateful to everyone involved.
2: That's amazing.
1: So sweet. I love that, yeah, it seems a lot, especially a lot of these fic writers, it's like... All right, Bowie, chill out. Uh, With a lot of these fic writers especially, it's, you know, they don't just write fan fiction or... Bowie, I'm going to murder you. So they don't just write fan fiction, they, you know, or they started writing fan fiction and then it, it inspired them to, to kind of carry on with that craft. I really love the amount of uh, creativity that it encourages. Paula from Chile says that being a Sherlockian has affected her life uh, mostly with the new friends she's made. So she says, I can share good and bad things that affect my life and ask for their opinions or advice. I think that's so much a part of it, like these communities, especially, you know, with the internet, like these online communities, sometimes they're like the safe spaces that you feel like you can go when you, you know, it's something you're maybe not going to publicly post. But when you need that support, you know, you can go into your fandom and you can find it there.
2: It's true. And I can, um, the Sherlock fandom is such a supportive fandom, you know, with for all of their you know, fanatical and um, intense moments that they do have, they are very supportive of each other and it's such a, it makes me feel better to know that, you know, these, there are younger people out there struggling with all the awful hardships that go along with being a teenager or being in school or being at university and to know that they have a safe space and that they have friends that will always be there for them, you know, no matter what time of day it is. It's just amazing.
1: Yeah, on that note, uh, a Tumblr, Tumblr user, uh, Sukyomi 11 told us that sometimes these people are the only ones that understand me at certain times in life, and for that I am grateful. So yeah, this community clearly, you know, they, they fall back on each other when they need to, and I think that from, you know, our, our early uh, research <laughs> this this very serious research we are doing um that seems to be a common thread. I know it's a thread with you know how you and I met it just in our little foo fighters family yeah. and um and all these all these fandoms that we kind of are exploring they seem to have that same sense of community that is so so inspiring
2: and that's what it's all about and i I would be shocked if we did ever stumble across a fandom that was divisive and you know just like we hate each <laughs> right, other <laughs> that they hate each other i would be shocked to find that and i think that's why y- uh, fandoms i find fandoms in their communities so alluring is they're just filled with such great people that are
1: exactly like me mm-hmm. and uh you know something that we have found you know in supernatural like you know you and peter started watching it together i found out my brother watches it um One of the people that took our survey, um, she's anonymous, said, I literally drove my friends insane, always talking about Sherlock Holmes, but it gave me the opportunity to do something with my mom. She decided to watch the show, too, and became engrossed in the story just as much as I was. We ended up watching the fourth season and fangirling together. It was awesome.
2: I got to say, fangirling with your mom is where it's at.
1: Yeah, your mom is, like, big into this whole fangirl vibe. She's, I think you've inspired her. I think so. I think she, we got to get her a, a Tumblr account. Oh, my God, yes. We're putting your mom on Tumblr. She has to be a guest star at some point. Oh, yeah. She's going to say no, but we're going to get her on here. The fans must demand it. Yes. We need a hashtag. <laughs> hashtag Sarah's mom hashtag speak up mom <laughs> hashtag fandom mom, fandom based, mom. <laughs> fandom based mom my mom still hasn't listened but come on we'll get there girl. so i have one that i was really excited to share so this is actually this is the same girl so the same girl the anonymous our little anonymous friend that has fangirls with her mom says um she's also made a lot of friends within the fandom um, she said, there's a few blogs I followed for Sherlock Things that I'm now mutual with and get to interact with quite regularly. I also got the courage to talk to Sarah, who was a writer I admired quite a lot, and she has since helped me in my writing.
2: Aww. That Sarah
1: is you. That's neat. Because if we're going to talk about Sherlock fans, you are in the fandom. You are a writer of fan fiction, and clearly people admire you, and she wrote in to say that she admired your work, and then finally built up the courage to talk to you
2: oh I want to cry that's the sweetest thing I've ever heard oh you have fans I have fans I have friends I have I have connected with so many amazing people in this fandom and so many amazing writers that have really helped take my writing to the next level so there's so many people that I could say the same thing about, you know, I read all these amazing stories that they write and get up the courage to message them and, and let them know. And that's one of the things I always try to do. If I enjoy somebody's work or if they've inspired me, I always try to send a message and, and thank them for that. Um, but it's crazy to think that I always think about all the other people that made me into a better writer that maybe I've had an impact on somebody. That's kind of crazy.
1: It's amazing. And they wrote in and, and wanted to let you know. Aw. Well, thank you. I think I have
2: a couple ideas of who it could be. That's really sweet.
1: Yeah, I figured you would probably know who it was. But I thought that was so sweet when I read it. I was like, oh, my God. There was a couple of people that mentioned you because we, we asked, like, who are your favorite fic writers and your your handle. What is your uh, Tumblr handle, by the way? Give yourself a shout out. Oh. I don't know where the X's go.
2: It's Pretty x little x writer on Tumblr.
1: So there were a lot of people that said that you were one of the most popular writers or one of their favorite writers. And I was like, that's my friend. I know her. Yeah,
2: that's me. I just love this character writing Sherlock is so much fun. He's such an interesting character. And it's such like you had talked about in the last episode to capture his voice Um is so such a great challenge. I I hadn't written for a long time after we stopped kind of writing Foo Fighters and um, Banfic, and then Mm -hmm. really went crazy writing once I found the Sherlock fandom because he's such a great character. Uh, And we often say in the fandom that we just wanna write like an OFC to kind of uh, fix him and help him because he's such a... (laughs) sweet little baby that needs to be loved. And
1: <laughs> I love it. I've, I've really enjoyed reading the fan fiction and, and even I had some, I got some feedback um, from someone I was chatting to on, on Reddit and she said she she'd listened to the first episode and she really loved it. And she was like really happy that I had, that John Locke had helped me to kind of like understand slash and like come around to it. She was like, I'm really, really happy because, you know, John Locke, it's like, it just makes sense to me. And, you know, it's such a great community. And, and she was really happy to hear that, <laughs> that I was kind of starting to like understand that world. And I feel really good about it too, because it, I mean, I just thought I would never be able to wrap my head around it around slash fic at all. And now I'm, you know, it's like when the characters are good and the writing's good, it's it's just good. I don't
2: think John locks my slash, but I haven't given up hope that it's out there somewhere. I'll find it eventually.
1: We're on the hunt. We're on the hunt. Hashtag Sarah's slash. Sarah's slash. If you have any suggestions, tweet at us at Fandom Based Life and tell us what you think Sarah's slash should be.
2: Um speaking of some really great writers, there are a couple people that I wanted to give a shout out to in my yeah. in my little circle of writers. Um get girl. Uh, there was two big writers uh, that influenced me when I first joined the fandom. Um, Ash, who is Sherlock imagines, now goes by Fanatic Writings. And C. Ford writes, uh, her name is Celesta, she goes by C. She's uh, Those are two very amazing writers. There's also um, my friend Melissa writes uh, a Sherlock reader insert called Connection. Um, And she's simply Sherlock fanfic, and it's really, 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 really good. Multi-chapters. And then there's another really good story. Um, I don't know this writer personally, but she's writing this story. She's up to, I think, chapter 101, and it's called 15 Minutes. Um, Her handle is lbafo, E-L-B-A-F-O. She's on AO3 and fanfiction.net. And this story is a really great um, plot uh, where Sherlock wants to lose his virginity and visits a brothel. <laughs> and yes. yes. Um, so I highly recommend that one. It's a good one. And also, I want to give a shout out to. Uh, my friend Christy, who is a rabid supporter of this podcast, and she's always Hi, always excited for Fandom Based Fridays. She's always the mm-hmm. first person to like our stuff and listen to our stuff, so thank you, Christy. She's also an amazing writer. Um, you can check out her stuff uh, at Reader Island Writes on Tumblr. She and I have co-authored uh, a couple of fictions together. She's an amazing writer. I really like writing with her. We have this crazy connection, and uh, the words just
1: flow really easily between us. Um, Do I need to be jealous? Because I'm a little jealous. You should be a little bit jealous. Christy, I'm coming for you, girl. <laughs> Stay away from my fandom-based wife, okay? Okay. Okay. Um, Yeah, so those
2: are, those are my, that's my little circle of fandom-based friends in the Sherlock fandom, and they all have helped me tremendously, and they're just a a small handful of the truly talented people in this fandom.
1: I love it. I love, it's fun to do fandoms that we're a part of. Yeah. (laughs) You know, because you have such a personal relationship with it, and such a personal love for it, and I just love hearing you lit up about something as well, just as your friend. It makes me really happy.
2: Oh, I love you. I love you, too. <laughs> Cut that.
1: <laughs> Barf. I guess we'll finish her off there. Um, I do want to talk. So our next one is a bit of a bizarro one. Uh, we're we're going to do this from time to time, I think, because it's really fun to. Obviously, we know these big fandoms. We've you know, we've got Potterheads and Trekkies and all of these things. I'm so terrified <laughs> of all the work we have ahead of us. But I also want to shine a light on like little obscure, strange not-so-mainstream fandoms. And our next one I'm really excited about because we are both in it. Yes. And I am hardcore in it. So uh, if you guys want to do a little research in the next two weeks before our next episode airs, do yourself a favor, go to the iTunes podcast app and do a little search for My Favorite Murder because our next episode is on Murderinos, who are fans of the funniest, most badass true crime podcast ever. It's so fun. So we're going to put our little questionnaire up. So if you're a Murderino, get in there. Tell us what you love about being a Murderino. Um, So it's not just the entire episode of me talking about (laughs) how <laughs> much I love it. Or if you're not a murderino and you have uh, another fandom you want us to cover uh, get in touch with us. You can find all things Fandom Based Life at fandombaselife.com uh, You can email us fandombaselife at gmail.com
2: You can tweet at us at life.
1: You can join our Facebook group. Please join us on Facebook uh, facebook.com slash life. And check us out on
2: Tumblr uh, fandombaselife.tumblr.com
1: Yep, And if you love this podcast and want to support us, uh, the easiest, quickest way to do that is to pop into your iTunes app and uh, rate and review. It's a great way to get the word out um and if you'd like to give further support uh we have a patreon right now we're fully self-funded but if you want to help us out uh buy bowie some treats um help us to upgrade our equipment so we don't have to put socks over our microphones anymore (laughs) Uh, you can donate
0: however much
1: you want uh, for as long as you want Monthly on our Patreon. So check out Fandom Based Life on Patreon. You'll get lots of fun little perks from us. We're trying to convince Sarah's mom to record some perks for us. We'll keep talking about that and getting you to demand it so she does it for us.
2: <laughs> Hi Mom.
1: And uh and yeah, I th- I think that's it for now.
2: Alright, well thank you guys so much for listening and keep on living that good fandom based life.
1: The game is on. Bye. Bye. Oh, if they only knew what they really sounded like. I (laughs) know.